0: Well welcome to weather in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> it was supposed to snow a couple of days ago and now it's beautiful outside and now it's supposed to snow in like a couple of days. <clears throat> so if you're like me you've got 30 gallons of milk in your refrigerator and <laughs> 45 loaves of bread. In 1975 Corps of Engineers built a dam on the Snake River in southeast Idaho. It was part of the grand plan to provide enough water for the West as well as energy. They built an earthen dam on the Snake River there. And even before the dam was completed they were beginning to see signs of failure. There were large cracks, fissures in it. uh, Some of them the size of a cave that a man could walk in. uh, That They filled in and they were sure that this patch would work But it wasn't long after the dam was officially opened that they began to see serious problems. In fact, less than a year after it opened, there was a dark brown stripe on the far left side if you were facing the dam. Where water had already seeped through the dam, saturated the dam, and was now pouring through the other side. In a matter of a few days, the dam collapsed. It killed 11 people did untold million dollars worth of damage. Now, now if you look where that dam used to be, there is nothing more than a lazy river and tree-covered hills. The dam failed. They knew it was failing. They they could see the cracks and didn't know what to do about it. And sooner than they were anticipating, lives were lost in the onslaught of the flood. We live in a time where dams are cracking, where lives are being threatened by uncontrollable floods. Now, we can spend our time arguing about whose fault it is the dam is cracking. Or we can see the moment for what it is. A chance for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. So we learn in the story that John tells us in chapter 9 of his Gospel. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither did this, this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent us while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And after these things, he spit on the ground and he made some mud from the slava. And he spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, he said, and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had known him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the same one who used to sit and beg? Some said, Yes, he's the one. And others said, No, it only looks like him. And he kept saying, But I am the one. So they ask him, well, then how is it that your eyes are opened? This man called Jesus made mud, sped it on my eyes, and told me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went, and when I washed, I received my sight. We must do the work of the one who sent us while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Let's pray together. The people are not objects to be discussed, subjects to be studied. They are people that you die to redeem. So we pray, Father, that you would help us see as we go through our week, not so much the moments where things are going wrong, as much as we do see the moments where there's an opportunity for grace. We pray this in your name. Amen. We call it seminary it's that dreaded disease that everybody gets when they go to seminary that all of a sudden they have read a couple of books on theology and now everything in their life is a theological crisis. They cannot go to any kind of athletic event, concert, anything without waxing theological or discussing the philosophical implications. The disciples had been with Jesus long enough now to be seriously affected with this disease. So they see a man. They see a man on the side of the road begging. The man is blind. They see that he is blind. They see that he is begging. But now, obviously, this has caused a philosophical issue, a theological subject to be discussed and analyzed. And so they began to talk about the man. Not with him. About him. Jesus, they asked. Who has sinned? This man? Now he's right there. This guy or his parents? It was the common belief of the day that you could inherit sin and the punishment for sin from your parents. That if mom and dad messed up, you could pay for it. And sometimes we see this, don't we? Parents make bad decisions, and the children are caught in the crossfire that, that follows. They bear the pain of their mom's and dad's bad decisions. There was this thing that you could inherit your, uh, your sinfulness, pass it down through your DNA. And, and, and the disciples wanted to know whose fault it was, who's to blame? As if they could find whoever it was who needed to be blamed, and that would solve it. We spend a lot of time in our culture, and our own lives, trying to find out who's to blame. Right? It's my mom's fault. I would be a much better man if my mom had not been the kind of mom she was. It's her fault she's to blame. It's my dad's fault. It's my spouse's fault. If my wife, husband understood me, supported me, I would not be in the shape I'm in. It is their fault. They're to blame. The Republicans blame the Democrats. The Democrats blame the Republicans. The art of Washington is not to get anything done. Just don't be the one who's blamed. Does that help? If we find the person whose fault it is, does it help? If we can go to this poor guy and say, "Okay, it's your fault. You're to blame," that change anything? Does that make anything better? So, what did we find out? whose fault it is. So what if we find out who's to blame? It doesn't change anything. It doesn't make anything better. Who sinned, Jesus, this man, or his parents? Jesus' answer, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter how you got in the mess you're in. Although we have to agree with the disciples, that is much more fun, isn't it? It's a lot easier to go to somebody and say, Well, you made a stupid decision. This is all your fault. You've made a bad decision. Now you got bad things going in your life. You made your bed. Now lie in it. This is all your fault. And by doing that, we can say to this person, It's on you. It's your fault. You made the choice. You do, you deserve whatever comes to you. You are to blame. I am absolved. I don't have to do anything. Isn't it kind of fun in those moments when we can say to somebody, "You're getting what you deserve." Hold that thought. I want to step over here, and I want to remind you and me. Can we just stop and praise God right now that nobody gets what they deserve? Amen. Huh? Amen. Nobody gets what they deserve. Amen. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. This is a chance for grace. This is is a chance for grace. Neither this man nor his parents and Jesus said, but this is an opportunity to do the works of the one who sent us. This is a chance for grace. (sighs) Do you know evil can't stand? Not for long. It, cr- it falls on, under its own weight. Okay, uh, when, when I was growing up and I was in school, we were in the Cold War. We were always afraid that Russia was going to bomb the United States of America. And, and for some reason, Huntsville, Alabama was the most important place in the world, and Huntsville was going to be the very first place it was bombed. <laughs> and, and we were told what to do in case of nuclear attack. Did y'all have these drills? Right? go sit in the hall for a nuclear attack. What in the world were they thinking? The only thing we could figure out is it made us easier to sweep up after the, you know. (laughs) But communism didn't fall because of a great war. WE DID NOT DEFEAT THE COMMUNIST IN BATTLE, IT COLLAPSED UNDER ITS OWN WEIGHT. Venezuela IS COLLAPSING UNDER ITS OWN WEIGHT. LIES COLLAPSE UNDER THEIR OWN WEIGHT. EVIL DOESN'T LAST FOREVER. Sooner or later, the dam breaks. And when it does, don't waste one minute of time trying to figure out whose fault it is. It doesn't matter. We have blamed Hollywood for all the things that are wrong in our culture. And now our culture is collapsing under its own weight. We have children who are confused about their identity because they're told that nobody can tell them who they are that it's up to them to discover their own identity. And that depends on how they feel. Our culture is drowning in anxiety, anxiety, worry. Because the dam is cracking. And this is a chance for Jesus to work. To do what only Jesus can do. To go to this person and say, this is who you are. This is your name. This is who I created you to be. This is what I created you to do. This is what I had in mind when I thought of you. And there is no better life than having your life aligned with what Jesus was thinking about when he made you. To know that you are in the spot. Doing what Christ created you to do. There is no greater freedom, no greater joy, no greater satisfaction than knowing this is who I am and this is what I was born to do. Only Jesus can answer that. Only Jesus can speak to that. Only Jesus can speak to, okay, what if it is your fault? Okay, let's be honest. Some of us, you know, we do stupid stuff. What if it is your fault? Only Jesus can say to you, doesn't matter. I paid for that choice on the cross. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's already been forgiven. Only Jesus can say that. So tomorrow when you walk into your office, when you're walking through your neighborhood and you walk by one of your acquaintances, one of your friends, and you hear the dam breaking, don't waste one second trying to figure out whose fault it is or trying to figure out if you have the blame in the right place this is a moment to do the work of the one who sent you to that dam that's breaking why because night is coming now whenever you hear that if you grew up like I did you you think about Jesus coming back and I believe he's coming back but but I grew up in a church where we thought he's coming back before the service ended huh And, 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 you know, we were 13 to 14, and we were kind of praying, can I at least go to college before you come back? We were. We were making all kind of deals like that. I believe Jesus is coming back. I look forward to that day. But that's only part of what he's talking about. If you grew up in a church like I did, you were always told the story of the kid who was being drawn to, to Christ by the Spirit, said no. And walked out in the parking lot was hit by a bus. That scared us. We would always go out of the, ch- out of the church by a different door, thinking maybe we could fool the bus. Uh uh-uh. uh. If you rub the same place too much, you get a callus, a thickening of the skin, a dullness of response. If the Spirit draws you and draws you and draws you and you do not respond, you get a thickening of the heart, a callousness of the soul, and Jesus will call and you won't hear. Jesus will draw you. But you won't know. The most heartbreaking story in the New Testament for me is the story of the rich young ruler. You remember the story. He comes and asks Jesus what he has to do to be saved. Jesus tells him, keep the law. The young man says, I have done this since I was a child. Jesus never challenges that. He says, you lack one thing, sell everything you have, come back and follow me. And we're told that he had a lot of possessions. And he turned and walked away from Jesus, unable to do what Jesus asked him to do, unable or unwilling, we don't know. And the heartbreaking part of that story? Jesus let him go. You want the next sentence to be, and Jesus ran after him. But it's not. Night came. And no one could work you see you don't know what time it is for your friend you don't know what time it is for your neighbor you just know this the dam is cracking and the night is coming The dam is cranking. Whose fault doesn't matter? This is a chance for grace. But hurry. Night is coming. Let's pray together. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life. You know, for some of you, it's as simple as becoming part of Brentwood Baptist Church, and we would love to welcome you into our fellowship. You come. Our friends are ready to help you get that membership process started. They're out of the table. since says, next step. You'll see it as soon as you walk into the atrium. For others of you, you just know your dam's cracking. And you don't know what to do that's okay life catches us all we understand that but here's what we want to say to you all of us here have that story but we have another story we have a story about where Jesus met us about when he met us about how he met us about how in that worst moment he proved to be the Savior and Redeemer we needed who forgave us of our mistakes and our failures, our sins, and gave us a life of hope, meaning, and purpose. We now know who we are in him. Do not walk out of this place, I beg you, and not know who you are. Not know who he is. Our friends are standing at the table called Next Step, waiting to begin this conversation with you. Don't leave.